0: You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Good morning, Calvary. Welcome to Youth Takeover. Uh, my name is James, if you don't know me. Um, I'm the youth director here at Calvary, um, and I've been given this awesome opportunity uh, to share the word with you guys. But before we get into that, I have one question for you guys. How many of you guys like these? Right, right, take that on. take that on. before someone gets a panic attack. <laughs> All right, so let me set the scene for you guys. All right, so... It is 12 a.m., almost 12.30 a.m. at night, right? Or in the morning, and I'm getting ready to go to bed, right? So I'm ready to just hit the hay and to put icing on the cake. The next morning, I have to play guitar here at 8 a.m., right? So I'm, I'm thinking about a million different things, and I'm just ready to go to bed, hit the hay, and unwind. And all of a sudden, my phone rings. Now, if you're, uh, if you're thinking what I'm thinking, then who in the world is calling me at 12 a.m. in the morning, right? My girlfriend is supposedly uh, sound asleep, so who is calling me at 12 in the morning? So I look at my phone, and lo and behold, it says, boo. Now, for those of you who don't know, I call my girlfriend boo uh, because the first time we met and the first time we talked She was dressed up as Boo. It was Halloween uh, from Monsters Inc., so I call her Boo. So I answer the phone, like, "Hey, sweetie, what's wrong?" And she is crying hysterically. So I go into boyfriend mode. I'm like, "What do I need to do? What happened? Who do I need to murder? How do I fix this?" Right? And she says, "I kid you not," she says, "There's a roach, and I can't sleep." So I reply with, okay, so just kill the roach, right? That wasn't in the playing cards for her. So she responded and she said, James, you don't understand. I have a phobia. All right. All right. So, so I mute the phone real quick. I'm like, Jesus, please eradicate this roach from existence. I'm going to be up tomorrow, you know, please just get rid of this roach, uh, destroy it in the name of Jesus, amen. That wasn't in the playing cards either. So so at this point, I'm like, hey, baby, do you want me to drive over there and just kill the roach? And, and, and she says, no, no, I don't want to be an inconvenience to you. But I can't kill the roach, and I can't go to sleep either, because I'm scared of it. So I'm just going to stay up all night. And then I'm like, all right, all right, that's not going to happen. So I drive over there, and I get there, and it's almost 1 a.m. in the morning, right? So I got to be up in like five, six hours, and I begrudgingly walk into this house, and I start looking, right? I look under the bedside tables. I look under the bed. I look everywhere. I look in the floorboards, ladies and gentlemen. No roach. All with bug spray in hand. So at this point, I, I, I pray with her, and and I assure her that the roach isn't going to kill her, and that she will be okay, and, and that God is in control. And then I left. And then here's a the kicker. About three or four weeks later, I get another call from Boo. Pick it up. She she, she ecstatically says, "Hey, uh, I killed the roach." I'm like that's great man. <laughs> but 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 sometimes we're, we're in these situations right where all of a sudden things go wrong and we don't know how to fix it it's two or three o'clock in the morning and we just need help right and, and so many times we, we, we find ourselves in this situation, and, and for some of you, it might be that you're a parent, right? It might be that you're a parent, and you're trying to balance a thousand things, and, and you just don't know where to go, what, what direction to take, and you just need some balance in your life. For some of you, it might be that you're a college student, right? And, and, and you're looking at a million things, and, and you can't make up your mind, and you're looking for counsel, and you're looking for mentorship, and you think to yourself in these situations, if only I had help. If only, uh, if only I had a sense of direction, a way to navigate my life. What I want to do today is dive into this issue and break down how we should support those in need around us, where to find godly counsel, and what to do when things seem uncertain. In the passage, uh, 1 Thessalonians, uh, in the passage that we're going to look at today, Paul explains uh, how to navigate our lives, and more specifically, our relationships as Christians. Now, for those of you who don't know, the people in Thessalonica were Gentiles, and they heard Paul's message of the gospel. And they decided to follow suit in starting a church with the help of Apostle Paul. Now, Paul is presumed to have stayed there for at least three weeks before he fled the area due to religious persecution. After Paul, he leaves the church, and then he checks in with Timothy uh, to see how the church church is doing. And and it's good news because they're doing well, so he writes a letter of encouragement that we now know as 1 Thessalonians. So we're going to start today in chapter 5, verse 12, where where Paul gives us several ways and how we should treat those within the body of Christ. He says, And we urge you, brethren to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Lastly, he says, be at peace among yourselves. So how does this fit into viewing our relationships through a Christ-like lens? When we look at, at those around us, we need to identify the different people around us and the roles that they serve within the body of Christ. This allows us to gauge how we respond uh, to those who are seeking counsel and who we should seek counsel from. Uh, recently, I was listening to a, a podcast by Craig Rochelle. He's a senior pastor of Life Church, uh, and it was his leadership podcast, and he was talking about communication. And one of the things that he talked about was these different hats that we put on, right? So for example, for you, that might be as a parent, as a student, or even as a leader. But this is so important, being able to gauge how you guide a conversation. And it it not only allows for God to use us to, to give wise counsel, but also to receive guidance as well. So Paul, he gives us three ways to gauge this in our relationships. He says, those who are among you, over you, and admonish you. Those who are among you, over you, and admonish you. So the first thing that Paul tells us to recognize is those who labor among you. Now, this can be a friend, uh, a family member, or anybody that is at a similar level of spiritual and emotional maturity as you. Having a person at the same level of maturity is so important because this allows you, you, uh, without this, you lose a sense of camaraderie, right? You lose a sense of assurance that you will be okay. It allows you to confide in someone that you know is going through the same thing as you. Now, when we look at this, it's important to understand that we should be looking for people that are at a similar level as us. But not only that, but we should recognize the importance of accountability within these relationships. This is because without accountability, without accountability, a relationship will never, never have the depth that is required for longevity. Now, to give you an example of this um. My girlfriend, uh, Mariana, uh, she runs the children's ministry, and she does an awesome job, by the way, Uh, but, but, but we've been dating for almost a year, and one of the things that we make sure of is that we are never in an area where we are alone with each other. Now, the reason being is that it's just too easy for temptation to take a situation like that and completely ruin the standards which we have set with our walk with God. And sure, it might not—it might just be easy to brush this stuff off as trivial, but that is exactly how compromise happens in our relationships. For you seeking ac- accountability and camaraderie, this might mean getting connected, right? This might mean joining a growth group here at Calvary, or or coming to our Young Adults Ministry uh, pursuit here on Tuesdays, or if you're younger, joining our Youth Ministry Liquid on Fridays. Whatever it is, find a place where you can get connected with other people. That not not only value accountability, but that want to grow together in your relationship with Christ. So the first qualifier that, that Paul gives is those who are among us. The second being that we should recognize those who are over us or admonish us. These are people who have been put in a position by God to guide us in the right direction. This is anyone from our our, our pastors, our parents, or our mentors. These are people who teach us and provide us with counsel. This leads us to our first point together, and that is that healthy relationships require respect. Healthy relationships require respect. So what Paul is telling us is that as Christians, we should appreciate those around us who are edifying us and helping us grow in our relationship with God so many times, especially in my own life, uh, we don't want to seek counsel, right? Because we think that we can just figure stuff out on our own, that, that we can make things according to how we want them. So to put this in perspective, uh, when I was about six or seven years old, I, I used to be homeschooled. I was homeschooled up until fifth grade, um, but I was doing my work, right? And I was sitting at the counter. And I was thinking to myself, man, it is getting hot in here. It was like 90, 80 degrees. And usually, I would just go up to my mom and say, hey, it's getting kind of hot. Could you lower the temperature make it a little bit colder? Unfortunately, she was in the shower. So I was like, I'm going to figure this out, right? I am going to figure out this thermostat, right? So I, I take the piano, the little piano stool next to it. I bring it up. I get up there and when I tell you I went at this thing, I went at it. I literally probably pushed every single button on the front face of that thermostat. And here's the kicker, not only that, I took off the front face of the thermostat and I started dealing with wires, right? It it looked like I was diffusing a bomb or something. I I was dealing with live wire, I was about to get shocked. And then all of a sudden I hear, Bubby, what, what, what are you doing? And it was my mom. And she's like, what are you doing? And I said, I was just trying to lower the temperature, you know? And she says, Bubby, why didn't you ask for help? And the, the reality is there's so many situations, right, that where, where this comes into play, where I try to figure things out for myself. And I have to constantly remind myself to seek counsel Because my first thought is, well, it's probably easier if I can just figure it out for myself. And yet, every single time, we're reminded that so much of our struggle could be mitigated if we just ask for help. So often, we find ourselves like myself in that situation. We don't value those around us. So we try to do things our own way, and we end up hurting ourselves and others in the end. This is such a simple principle. But often we allow our own pride to get in the way of seeking counsel. One of my favorite uh, verses in the Bible is Proverbs twelve fifteen, It states, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. We need to be honest with ourselves and invest in people that can edify us in our walk with God. It can be easy to, to gravitate towards pride and cynicism when we are surrounded by a culture that encourages it. You look at social media today, and it's encouraged to bring others down. But in, instead of providing encouragement, and we tend to, to measure our, our own well being, right, by the amount of personal success that we achieve. And we, yet, when you look at the church, we are called to be continually thankful and attribute our success. To Christ. When we start to shift our thinking and attributing our success to Christ, we allow ourselves to be used by God and the people he puts in our life for his will. We need to recognize those who are over us and can provide us with counsel and trust them in our walk with God. Now, moving on, uh, Paul, he continues in verse 14. And he says, now we extort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Warn those who are unruly. This leads us uh, to our second point together. The first thing that healthy relationships require is respect. The second thing that healthy relationships require is honesty. Now the first thing I want you to notice in this verse is that Paul tells us to warn those who are unruly. Now what this isn't telling you uh, to do is is to have a holier-than-thou attitude with other people. Paul is specifically telling us to be honest with people in our relationships. In fact, one translation, it says, warn those who are lazy. The Greek, uh, the, the Greek word unruly is a word tactos and it refers to a soldier who is undisciplined or out of line. Now, to put this into perspective, recently, our family, we got, we got a puppy, right? And it is super small. It's super cute. It can fit about in the size of my hands. It's this little white dog. But one of the things that, that we have to do is whenever she bites or whenever she does something that she's not supposed to, we have to pick her up. We have to say, no, Sadie, you can't do that. And I don't know if this works, but my mom told me it did, so I guess it does. But we pick her up, right? And we put her on her back, and we have it so her limbs can't reach anything, right? And then once she acknowledges that she did something wrong, we let her go. Now, we don't do this because we want her to struggle, right? We do this to correct her behavior. The same thing can be said about our relationship with others and our own relationship with God. What Paul is telling us to do is to warn fellow believers when we see them struggling with temptation. It can be so easy as a parent or as a mentor or as a teacher to avoid these conversations because it's either uncomfortable or it's socially inconvenient. We need to focus on being honest with people who need guidance in their life. This means having conversations that may be difficult with a son, daughter, or parent. This means showing compassion and guidance to those who need direction. Now, to give you some some greater detail on the significance of honesty in our relationships, the Apostle John, he actually highlights the importance of honesty when talking about love. He puts it this way uh, when talking about love. He says, Beloved, Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love, and this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now I, n- I know what you're thinking after I read that that is a lot of love. that's great, James. but how am I supposed to love people practically? Well, John, he actually answers this question, in chapter three. He says, "My little children, let us love, let us not love in word or in tongue but in deed and in truth and by this we are no we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him the apostle john he's specifically telling us that we have to show love through our actions we need to show love by letting people close to us know that they can find compassion not criticism when they come to you for advice we need to remind ourselves uh, to prioritize god's word and our guidance and reproval. Now, we might feel like this is, this is uh, that, that telling the truth is harsh, and it's unnerving right now. But when in reality, it's, it's what is most beneficial in the long run. So the first thing that Paul tells us to do is warn those who are unruly. We see uh, he follows this exhortation, and he says, Comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. This leads us to our third point together, and that is that healthy relationships require intentionality. Healthy relationships require intentionality. What Paul is explaining is that we need to be purposeful in supporting those who need our help. We need to make sure we avoid compromising when our friends and family need us most. Right, sacrificing our time or our efforts uh, for someone, it's, it's something that is so unheard of in our culture and yet it is precisely what Paul is telling us to do. Now, those of you with kids know that this is especially true. You have to be intentional. You know the first couple of months after the, after your kid is born that you're not sleeping, right? Because the baby is crying, and, and there's a million things to do, and you don't know what to do. You know that, that sometimes your kids will do something, and it's just like, what were you thinking? So when I was about five or six years old, my mother had left me and my father alone, right? She, she brought my older sister to the store with her. Now, uh, to give you kind of a, a backstory on, on my childhood, I was a bit of a problem, right? I, I, was, I was just a menace for no reason. I, I, would, I, I, I kid you not, I headbutt my mom at the age of one. I sprayed my sister with Lysol. I would color on the walls. I was just problematic. So my mom, she looks at me. She pulls me aside before she leaves, and she says, Bubby, do not any, do anything that is dangerous or harmful to you or your father. And then she turns around, and she says, Jimmy, do not let your son do anything dangerous or harmful to you or him. So she left, and I decided that I wanted to do some coloring. Now, I know what you're thinking. He colored on the walls. She got home, she was bringing in the groceries, and she walked in, and she saw me covered in head to toe and Crayola brand green ink. She walked up to me, and she said, Bubby, why on earth are you covered in marker? To which I replied, I just really wanted to look like the Incredible Hulk. That's a pretty good answer if you ask me, right? So my mother, she turns to my father, and she says, Jimmy, why didn't you stop him? And my dad, he replied, he said, well, he wasn't doing harm to me, and he wasn't doing any harm to himself. So I did what I was told, right? And sometimes we feel exactly like my dad did in that situation. We're thinking to ourselves, I don't know what the problem is. Right, I followed all the rules I did what I was told and yet my relationship is still struggling and yet what we don't realize is that when we put our blame on our spouses on our friends and on our family we leave them to pick up the pieces and that my friends that's what will destroy a relationship without us even realizing it and we have thoughts like well at least I'm doing something at least I, I did something for them when in reality, relationships are always rooted in intentionality. This means that if we have a friend in need, that we prioritize them. So many times, we find it easy to push people off just because it's inconvenient for ourselves. And yet, we see Paul specifically instructing the Thessalonians. Comfort the faint-hearted, Uphold the weak. And be patient with all. Right? So sometimes in our family... For our family, this might mean prioritizing the people that are hurting, right? They don't have to be our blood, but if we are close with them, we can't compromise. If we are unintentional about our relationships within our family, we risk not seeing God work through their life through our compassion and direction as believers. This means uh, that within our families, we value each other. We value each other's aspirations, their needs, their concerns. This means, husbands, that we love our wives, and the wives that we love our husbands, and that as parents that we love our kids and pour into their lives, and that we don't compromise when it matters most, that we show a love that puts others' needs before our own. A love shown not through word or tongue, but rather a love that's shown through deed, and truth. We need to be patient with those who are hurting, or might not reciprocate that same patience our way. Notice how Paul, he says, uh, be patient with all. He, he's not just saying, be patient when the situation is convenient for you. Be patient with only the people that you like. Be patient in all things. So that's the, the second thing. The, the last thing, the last uh, few exhortations that Paul gives, in 1 Thessalonians five twelve through 18 he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This leads us uh, to our last point together, and that is that healthy relationships require a genuine faith. Healthy relationships require a genuine faith. This requires a faith that is rooted in Christ, a faith that understands the importance of gospel, of the gospel, and the necessity of gratitude in our relationship with Christ. In order to actively practice gratitude, we need to be able to be used by God in helping others. This requires a faith that is genuine and an appreciation for what Christ did on the cross. So as we close, I'm going to give you three things, three things that a genuine faith is built on, the foundations of a genuine faith. The first is prayer, right? For some of us, we look at prayer as something that we just do habitually, right, before we go to bed or before we eat, and that is not a bad thing. But I want to suggest something that we should do to supplement that. In the book of Matthew, uh, Jesus, he, he's explaining prayer to the disciples, and he says this, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they be be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So prayer is not saying all the right words to sound spiritual. All it is is talking to God, communicating to God, telling him your thoughts, your concerns, your worries, and your doubts. Prayer is asking him for strength to do what is right and thanking him for what he has done. For some of us, we feel this pressure when we come to God, right? We, we try to say all the right things, we try to do all the right things, and we avoid prayer just because we might not say everything perfectly. For some of us, we might be, be treating God like a good luck charm, right? Something I realized about myself is that without fail, my prayer life goes up at amusement parks. Now, the reason why is because every time I go on a roller coaster, and it's going up, right? I'm like, Jesus, take the wheel. You got this. You can figure this out. And immediately, there's like a switch in my brain where it's like, I've got this all figured out. I can do it my own way. And then all of a sudden, when danger comes, when the trials come, I'm like, you got this. You can sort this out. And so often, we treat God like this. Right? And when we treat God like this, we devalue the quality and depth of our relationship with him. Because we only come to him when things get hard. Yet when we look at scripture, what does it say? Your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So in reality, all he wants is to hear our voice. Because it shows him that we are intentional about our relationship with him. So that's the first thing. The second thing is scripture. Now, we live in a world where where sin is encouraged. where It's it's encouraged to be faithless and uncertain. This is why it is so important to guard our hearts with his word. If we don't invest in his words, we reject Christ speaking truth into our hearts, into our relationships, and into our families. It's so easy uh, for us to just say, I I learned about the Bible on Sunday. I I, I listen to the sermon. I I, I read the verse of the day. But this world will pull you away from the promises that God has for you if you aren't intentional about investing in his word. So what does this mean, right? Well, this means meditating on scripture. This means continually thinking, memorizing passages, understanding context so we can answer the doubts and concerns of others. In 2 Timothy, uh, Paul puts it this way. He says, in that from childhood, which you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that's the second thing. The last, the last foundation is Christ. Um, I, I love the way that Paul puts it in First Corinthians. Paul says, "For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ." Ladies and gentlemen, if we don't have Christ, then what is the point? We can, we can do everything that was mentioned. We can can read scripture, we can do good for others, but it all means nothing if we don't have a relationship with Christ. Christ is the foundation in which our faith needs to be built. In in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is giving a parable about our faith. And he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. The desire to grow in your relationship with Christ is what causes change it's what allows him to take uh, your heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh to, to put this into perspective um, my family uh, we have this tradition right well, we'll, well for Christmas we'll go out and we'll get a tree and, and afterwards we'll go to Starbucks uh, we'll, we'll bring the tree home put it up and we'll dress it up and we'll drink our Starbucks and it's a great time Um, So we we go and and we we get this tree, right? And it's humongous, right? It's ugly. It doesn't fit our house, but it's awesome. So we're just like, we're going to rock it. Um, We put it in the tree, in, in the truck, and off to Starbucks we go, right? So now I don't know how many of you have experienced Florida weather here, but it's only one season, ladies and gentlemen. It's hot, like all year round. So it's December, and it's like 80, 90 degrees. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, I'm going to get myself a nice, refreshing iced latte, right? So we pull up, and and my dad, now here's the thing. For those of you uh, who haven't experienced this, there's some people who are just not the most tactful uh, when when ordering at a drive-thru. Now, I, I love my dad. He's an awesome guy and he's an amazing father, but unfortunately, he's one of those people. So we pull through the drive-through and I'm sweating. I just help load up the tree. Um, My dad asks for my order. Uh, I just tell him, hey, can I get an iced latte? And he he says, oh, no worries, I got you, right? I know this menu hack so I can get it for cheaper. Now, for those of you who don't know my dad, right, he's not one of these guys that's like on Pinterest looking for like special recipes and hacks to get stuff. So I don't know what I'm gonna get, right? So he pulls up to the window, I kid you not, he says this. He says, hey, let me get a pike with ice. Full comps, a pike with ice. For those of you who don't know what a pike with ice is, it is just American coffee served hot. But here's the catch with ice so not only is it black american coffee but it's served with ice so it's lukewarm i pull up to the window and i receive a nice refreshing watered down black american coffee no cream no sugar no joy no happiness so in this moment I just asked my dad why do you think that ordering a completely different order would result in getting the same outcome and the reality is because he tried to take a shortcut right because he tried to use the menu hack he ended up with something that was completely different he ended up with something that was lukewarm and that lacked substance So many times if we look at our own relationships with God, we do the exact same thing. We decide that if I want my situation to change, I'm going to do it my way. And the reality is we can seemingly follow all the rules. We can want to change. We can raise our hands during worship. We can take notes during a sermon. But if we don't have a relationship with Christ, all of our good works are like filthy, Rags. And we think, hey, maybe this religion thing will work. Maybe if I can just check off all the right boxes. If I clap at the right times and if I say amen, that will give me a sense of reality. And then all of a sudden, we make this Christian culture an idol instead of looking to Christ. And we end up with a trail of broken relationships behind us and a faith that is lukewarm that lacks substance. This is the most frightening reality. is that someone can think that they're doing everything right, but they lack a foundation. So when the trials come, when the floods come and the winds blow, they have nowhere to stand because we built our faith on religious practice instead of Christ. In Ephesians uh, chapter one, verse four. Paul says this, he says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoptions, uh, adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasures of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted. In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace genuine faith isn't genuine because, because you have a good church attendance it's not, it's not genuine because you, you sign up for all these different things it's not genuine because you're, you're reading this. it's not genuine because of that genuine faith it, it's genuine because it's rooted in Christ Because it recognizes his sacrifice for us. And it humbly reciprocates that same love to others. Right? So someone with a genuine faith understands that human nature is flawed. And yet, in all of our brokenness, our Heavenly Father offers us redemption through Christ. And when we recognize this... We adopt this mindset; our entire perspective changes. Because when the trials come, we're, th- we're able to withstand him. We haven't built our-, our faith on things that don't last; things of this world. We built our house on him. Let's pray. Lord, I I, I just pray today. Um, I pray for those 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 of. In this congregation that needs you, Lord, I pray that you would just provide them with comfort. Provide them with counsel, Lord. I pray that you would allow them to seek good counsel. I pray that we would value our relationships, that we would be intentional about them, and that we would be honest. I pray that we would look to your word, and that we would recognize your sacrifice, and walk humbly and gratitude because of you, I pray that we would build our faith on you and that we would recognize your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you for everything that you have given us. It's in your mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.